Hello everyone, this is Bible Babble, where we are glad to babble about the Bible. Episode 5. Hi John. Hey Garrett. How are you? Doing swell. How are you brother? Good. I I woke up this morning and I walked outside and I felt cold. It was wonderful. Mm, How cold? Um, Cold enough for me to realize, oh shoot, it's November. Dude, it is November. If you think about it. November doesn't exist, actually. Why? Actually, no months exist, technically. Only time exists. Is this like your weird philosophy on you can't be certain about anything? No. No, different philosophy? No. No. I never even said I believe that. I just said, I just proposed it. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, the months that we have made are just months that we decided to put there but they're not actually existing time is not we just decided to divide it in 30 or 31 days but uh yeah they they don't actually exist just only time exists so today we're talking about uh the creation of time no we're not no we're not no we're not that'd be silly yeah that'd be like john's weird little Discourse. Anyways, be silly. that was off topic. Entirely. Today, entirely. Today we were talking about uh, the role That's of. Not even funny. Can can I talk, Gert? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Can I say something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Today we're talking about the role of women in the church, in ministry, and um, even specific, more specifically, in head pastor roles. Yeah. Well, whether that's a yep. whether that is biblical in, in alignment with scripture. So, yeah, today we're going to start in First Corinthians chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen, First Corinthians fourteen, thirty-four. Garrett, um, can you read thirty-four and thirty-five? Yeah. Okay. First Corinthians fourteen thirty-four. The women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what it says. This is what the Bible is telling us. Hmm. Initial thoughts, Gary Gones. Ooh. Yeah. Initial thoughts. Um... I, I feel like I'm, I've just been like dumped into the ocean and I don't know how to swim. Hmm. I I know nothing. Like there's there's no context that we've gone into or talked yeah. about at all. There's just yeah. like we just hopped right in. We the just hopped right in, and it's and hopping in is a dangerous thing. Uh, it is super dangerous because you're like, oh yeah. Apparently, girls can't talk and drink. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing things wrong for a very long time because. Actually, my aunt spoke in church once. So. Mm, that did she know about this passage? I, I hope apparently not. not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, I'm this just is. Kidding. Yeah, we're. Uh, no, yeah, exactly. Garrett's yeah, exactly it's right. Scary. It's when you scary. when you hop in, um, in the middle of a chapter, middle of a passage, whatever you know, 
and you don't look at the surrounding context, you might have some issues. You will run into some issues. Like saying that Garrett's aunts cannot speak in church. Um, so yeah, I mean, just looking at some of the broader context of 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with a lot of disorder. He's dealing with a lot of discord, um, disagreement, disunity in this Corinthian church. And one of the ways that this disorder was expressed was that some of the women were very disruptful in the services um, yeah. and were, were shouting out when one was, was teaching or, or, or prophesying and all these things. And he gives instructions of, of how to prophesy and, and how to speak in tongues in an orderly manner and how all of that should be done. And um, the reason why I'm led to not believe that this is a universal blanket statement command for all contexts and all time is because in 1 Corinthians 11, in the very same book, the very same letter that Paul is writing, he gives women instructions on how to pray and how to prophesy, mm. which mm -hmm. is speaking <laughs> in church. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he talks about the head coverings and all of that, and um, we don't have to get into all of that, but if you have time on your own, check out the uh, starting starting even in, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 11. And yeah, you'll clearly see that Paul certainly permits women to speak in church. And so what I'm convinced of here in 1 Corinthians 14 is that this is this is a case specific situation in which he's speaking more to these women, these women who are being disruptful. Um, and I would encourage you to um, research the the cultural and historical context and um, the some of the um, details that influence Paul to, to write these because it's not all explicitly in the text. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's why outside research is important. Yeah. So if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Yeah. This is not a blanket <clears throat> statement. This is a case specific situation in which these particular women are being disruptful in the service and yeah. disrupting the order, which was a, a theme, you know, all throughout um, first Corinthians that Paul addresses. Why, why this statement though on uh, like it's, it's a shameful thing for a woman to speak in church. For it is, yeah, mine says disgraceful. Yeah. Shameful for a woman to speak in church. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. That's what my ESV says. Yeah. I'm not sure. That does sound more universal, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it also says they're not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Yeah. Yeah. And so is he rooting this in, in the Old Testament? Do you think? Must be in submission. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. For it is disgraceful or shameful for a woman to speak in church. Yeah, that is a good question. But I mean, I mean, like I said earlier, Paul 
gives the women instruction on how to pray and prophesy in the church. And so, you know, he can't be making a blanket statement. And, he, yeah. and this can't just be a general thing. Like, it is always shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Yeah, I mean, that, that can't be true, can it? I don't think, I don't, man. That That's unsettling to me, I will say. Um, yeah, me as well. And then it's just like, <laughs> if that if that is true, like why is praying and prophesying not shameful? <laughs> and yeah. Like what is what is shameful? Yeah. It's like what what about women makes it shameful for them to speak in church? And then right. I don't yeah. I don't think that is the case, and especially with other examples in the New Testament, um, just like with women <clears throat> in positions of leadership, like. I think of, I can't remember who it was who was serving in the role of a deacon, whether that was Phoebe or who it was, I don't know. But a deacon meaning meaning a servant. Yeah, Phoebe is a deaconess. Yeah, yeah, yeah deaconess. Yeah, not, not a deacon. Um, meaning a servant, but it seems that like deacons had some say in 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 the church and in leadership. Not that they weren't head pastors, but... I mean, I would find it almost a stretch for them not to have, not to speak at all in the church, but to serve in, in a role like that. Um, like, so I don't know. I don't see, I don't see that being a, something that Paul, Paul or other New Testament authors would support women yeah. not speaking at all in church. So to summarize, it's, it's, Paul is speaking to a specific church that has specific issues. And for those women who, who it seems, according to research, that they were speaking out of turn, shouting out when they shouldn't have been. And he's speaking in that way. So it is a shameful thing to, to shout out in church <laughs> when... Like out of turn, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just wrestling with this because like it says, you know, they're not allowed to speak but must be in submission, as the law says. And as so it's says, it's yeah. saying like this, them speaking is somehow a violation of their submission in in some manner, and like oh, okay, yeah, I don't know. Exactly why, yeah. I just wish I was there, you know. Like I wish yeah. I could see what they were, what they were actually doing, what it actually looked like. Because mm -hmm. like it just, it just only seems right that this would be case specific speaking to this. But then he's like, roots it in the law and says, um, just that general statement: it's shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Should ask. I mean, I've heard some theories that it was, like, because women were generally uneducated in that time mm. and didn't have much access to education in general mm. um, during that time in that patriarchal society, you know. I don't know if that's particularly true. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's, like, with that case in mind, 
it's shameful for a woman to speak, but that just sounds so general and yeah, like I said. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I honestly don't know what to do with that. I would like to to research that more. I'm not convinced. I'm still not convinced that he's making a universal claim. Just because of some of the other things that we cited already. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, another passage that we want to look at is First Timothy chapter 2. Mm-hmm. It's already turned in there. Yeah, yeah, some what just man, super wild teaching here. Yeah. So I'm going to read this in the New American Standard Bible. It says, likewise, so this is starting in verse 9. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Oh, man. Initial thoughts here, Garrett. Uh, uh, kind of panicking inside. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's this is a passage that's been used throughout history to 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 make it seem as if Paul is misogynistic and majorly sexist. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, once again, I, I'm feeling the the lack of cultural context. Mm-hmm. Man, you really feel it in this yeah. passage. Yeah. So, in this passage, the mm-hmm. context is Paul writing these letters to Timothy, um, who he was sending to the church in Ephesus mm-hmm. for the purpose of teaching sound doctrine. Yeah. And so this this church in Ephesus was falling prey to a few different false teachings and um, had some false teachers in their midst teaching um, dangerous doctrines. And so Paul sends Timothy to teach sound doctrine and to keep them stable and and sound in in, in the faith. Um, and so in this particular situation, these women that he's speaking of are women who are you know it talks about the way that they dress and things like yeah. that but the point of all of this is like they were drawing attention to themselves and so they were women who put themselves in these positions of authority rather than being granted that authority and that authority being um passed on to them by by leader church leadership it was more of a a forceful um placing themselves in positions high positions of authority in the church uh taking by force um which is interesting to me because i don't even know just in that cultural context like how that would have even been allowed you know just like in such a patriarchal society it surprises me that that was even a thing what i'm just curious as to how i mean (laughs) 
the Bible doesn't actually say that any of that. Yeah. And so this is, these are modern ter- interpretations, or I suppose interpretations from modern scholars who are trying to reconcile what Paul is saying, recognizing that Paul is is writing an occasional letter, mm-hmm. as in a letter that is uh, for a specific person, talking about specific situations. As so, every letter is. And so, yeah, as every letter is. And so what, what John here is talking about is I mean he it's 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 trying to piece together the context the situation that that Paul is writing to and writing about, um, and so another I mean another view I've heard um, is like especially in terms of what they were wearing how they're dressing um, was was essentially that these women were. Um, dressing like how prostitutes would have mm. during that day. Mm. Um, so wearing things that would have been provocative uh. uh, and unnecessary. Um, and so, I mean, it's it's not that a, like a, a, a braid today just seems, it's, it's a part of our culture. It's a part right. of our understanding. It's just women will braid their hair. Yeah. Um, but it's, but again, it's not our context. It's it's not yeah. our culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it would be a, a problem to say that now in 21st century America, it's a sin to braid your hair mm-hmm. and wear wear jewelry and things like that. And maybe a more slight, slightly more con- controversial. Uh, yeah, it's it's certainly not unbiblical to not have a head covering you know yeah i would agree with that yeah so that that would be an issue of misapplication for lack of context and in coming to the bible no matter what we're reading we have to know and understand that the text we're we're reading and studying lives in a lives in a different context yeah yeah um not only a different culture but an entirely different era mm-hmm a different age with different uh, assumptions about the way life works. Yeah, um, certainly. And so as John and I approach this, we have to think through, we have to think through the context. We have to think through the culture. Yeah. The different time and place. Absolutely. And that's where you have to start. Yeah. Yep. You absolutely have to start there. And so where the debate comes in here. Is where where is the line? Where what is it that is specific to the time and place, mm-hmm. and not only that, but specific to the church uh, in Ephesus, right. and what's universal? What's a principle that Paul is trying to communicate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where the wrestling is. Um, so just like just going back to what you're talking about, how none of what we're saying about the context or what we've heard about the context is actually like explicitly in the text right there are hints in the text for sure and there's assumptions based assumptions that you can make from the text um but like i remember that discussion we were having with somebody at the cafeteria that one evening (laughs) yeah um that was funny and he he expressed that same frustration he was like but it doesn't say any of that you know yeah exactly and i was mentioning all the things i just mentioned 
and I just had the the thought in my head though. It's like it doesn't say any of that explicitly, (laughs) but to kind of reject that, I feel like is you could say the same thing with any historical document Mm. because there's a reason that that context is widely accepted, and that's because of historical documentation. Mm. And so, like, I mean, I don't know exact. I don't have the historical documents in my hand, but I've done research and, and I guess assumed that I was just reading history. You know, mm-hmm. I was reading accounts of, of what happened, and I don't know how close to the actual event that history is. Yeah, but we do have historical documents, and that's the same thing with any any letter, any context of any book in the Bible. Yeah, it's like, how do we know? Well, how do you know it? Any history, you guess the same question with your American history textbooks. I mean, I mean, it's just like I mean, we, the question of is history reliable? So we still have to realize that this is a letter. It's it's not a historical account of events because it's not trying to be. Yeah, no, I'm not speaking of the this text. Oh, okay. I'm okay. speaking of other texts oh, okay. that speak yeah. into this text. Okay. Yeah, not talking about the actual letter. The biblical letter. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I just I trust what has been recorded in history. Yeah. That speaks into the context of a biblical. Uh, yeah, the Bible. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask the question that. Uh. I I guess seems obvious to ask is, do you do you think that um. Do you think that women can exercise authority over a man in church? I feel like there's some things I want to say before I answer that question. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but must remain quiet. And then it goes in for the reasoning for that. So yep. some reading that I've done, I mean, I mentioned this this context that these are women who are um, in, in these positions of, of authority for self-promotion. Um, they've not received these positions of authority, but forced themselves into them and um, are teaching false doctrines. And so... I've heard an interpretation that this is this is case specific as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That this is these women. I don't allow these women to teach or exercise authority over men. Which teach and exercise authority, I think, is connected here. Yeah, I don't think those are two separate things. Mm, that's good. Um, good but um, but then then it the verses after really just for me make that interpretation a bit unsettling. Because this is the reasoning that he goes into. He says, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. So he goes back to the very beginning and it seems like he's trying to draw on a, on a, on a principle, a deeper, um, his like historical reasoning. Yeah. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression, transgression. Mm. So that's, that's the reason that he gives for why a woman can't teach or exercise authority. That's why for me, it seems unsettling. I don't like this. I, I don't like this, but it seems unsettling to say that this is case specific because of those verses. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know 
why? Like, I don't... Yeah, if I'm being honest, I don't even see the this reasoning as, like, validity for that, that, that command to not allow a woman to teach her exercise authority. Because, like, I mean, Adam... I feel like he could have just as easily been deceived and fell into sin. Mm. And he, he did eventually fall into sin. And, and even the scriptures, when it talks about the introduction of, of sin into the world and the effects of the fall, it says by one man, sin was brought into the world being Adam. So like, of course they were both responsible, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that's honestly confusing. Super. It's yeah. confusing to me. I don't I don't have an answer. So when it comes to practical application of this for today, <laughs> yeah. I think teaching, exercising authority over a man is most explicitly demonstrated today in the church in a head pastor role. And if Okay. If this is a most explicitly. Yeah. So in other roles too in the church. Um but most explicitly, most generally, most widely accepted, at least in the Western church today. Um, if this is a universal command, then that then that would apply to that and say that women cannot be head pastors. Hmm. Yeah. If this is case specific, then I think the possibility of a woman operating in a head pastor role is at least opened. I don't know how, how exactly... Hmm. That would I don't know. If this is case specific, I think I think there'd be a there'd be a reinterpretation of the way that we've we've practiced things for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my oh, man, a, a a deep and serious fear of mine is that is is that we've we've gotten it wrong. That we've that we have misinterpreted this passage historically. Yeah. That all along women were supposed to have been in leadership. Yeah. We're supposed to have been in, in roles such as a head pastor. Yeah. And that, and that we've distorted what Paul actually meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's, oh, such a fear of mine. Yeah. And I want to be careful here. I want to preface something that I said earlier about, like, how it's this argument is a bit unsettling to me yeah i am i am committed to at least i seek to be as much as possible the what the scriptures say and i'm committed to be faithful to the scriptures yeah i'm just admitting the unsettling feeling that's within me i'm not saying even if this is saying this then i reject the bible no i'm saying yeah, I want right. to. I yeah. want to actually understand the bible for what it's saying and exactly and be honest about the the feelings that I have as I go about the process of trying to interpret this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not at a conclusion with this. I think something that I'd like to look more into is church history in this topic and what, what, yeah, what, how these passages have been interpreted in the past. And I, I would, I would predict, I would anticipate um, just because of the nature of patriarchal societies in the past and like how prominent that was and still is in some societies that that might that culture might kind of bleed into how this is interpreted yeah and like I, I, I don't anticipate there being much of a practice of women in 
had pastor roles in the in the in church history in general. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume, but I yeah. would I would like to look into that more. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. And I do I do just think about like with the head covering command, which is also in 1 Corinthians 11 that I encourage you all to read. Um that's why the that's the the general um consensus with that is that that was a culturally exclusive command Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so it's just like with this it's like did the culture the patriarchal cultural cultural context have an influence on this instruction i do wonder because like because like us reading this now sounds really like r- almost wrong or like doesn't fit well with with our society now you know like as we've moved into and and progressed um with women's with women's rights in the yeah. United States but like in that context this was probably sounded really normal i don't know what do you think uh, i certainly think so yeah yeah so like i don't know i feel like them reading this in that time and and for even centuries after centuries and centuries after this was written i feel like you'd be like yeah of course like that's normal yeah but i wonder if that was just yeah because of, it was the culture you know um but now that we've like we've moved towards greater women's rights in the west um relatively recently in history these questions are popping up more often yeah or more yeah. or more relative i think yeah so <clears throat> let me ask you a personal question yeah would you would you ever would you be a member of a church whose head pastor is a woman A member of a church whose head pastor is a woman. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will admit that it would feel un- like it would feel weird mm-hmm. just because I've always grown up with, with male head pastor. Yeah. Um, and it would feel weird. It would feel different. But like because I'm what, of what I'm expressing now and like how I'm in an in-between and not really come to a conclusion on this. I would be open to that not being a theological issue. Yeah. Like I, I would be open to like, yeah, like that they're actually not doing anything wrong scripturally. Oh man, yeah. I'm I'm genuinely open to it. Yeah, and, I am too. And I think coming into college, I read these verses at face value. <laughs> yeah, and I certainly did as well. Yeah, kind of out of out of context too not taking in the context not really considering at least the possibility that this might be case specific yeah and and would have said like i would be surprised at what i'm what i just said you know coming into college but yeah yeah i mean i want to dig into this deeper because i think it has important ramifications big implications i mean yeah it really does yeah and I do wonder, like you were saying, like, what if we have misinterpreted 
these passages all along. And really the scriptures do allow for that yeah. practice. Yeah. I don't, man. It is, it's a hard, it's a hard category to judge of whether, like what is case specific and what is universal. But I think it's important. Oh, yeah, it's crucial. Yeah. We, I mean, we, we have to do the hard work of interpretation yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. But it's just like, how do you discern that? I mean, yeah. Why is the head covering example more obviously culturally exclusive? Yeah. Yeah. So I've... I've heard, um, I've heard passages that talk about like kind of household structures used as arguments for, against women as as head pastors. Hmm. So, for example, like uh, Ephesians five, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Um, and so so looking at that and talking about it as, as women universally submitting to men universally, which I think is hogwash. That's unsettling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think that's a trash interpretation personally. Yeah. I mean that that's saying your husband. Oh, right, yeah. Submit to your husband. Yeah. And which which in and of itself that is a revolutionary statement because it's it's giving to a woman in a patriarchal society. I mean severely patriarchal. Yeah. Um and, and saying you have the autonomy to submit to your husband. And and yeah. like recognizing her autonomy. Hmm. Um and exhorting her to submit to her husband. Yeah. Which is wildly revolutionary. Yeah. And also like this this no, you're right. Like we we look at this now and we almost see this as restrictive to women in our context in in the United States now. Yeah, it's certainly talked about that often. Yeah, but like I feel like this passage was more freeing to women in that context in general. Cause like it's also turning on, turning to the husband and giving him commands that mm -hmm. were not cultural yeah. for the men at that time, for husbands at that time to, I mean, to, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. And then the whole rest of chapter five is about how men should love their wives. Men should love. Yeah, exactly. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for. It was not cultural yeah. to love your wife as Christ loves the church. To die for her metaphorically every day. Yeah. To self-sacrifice. Yeah. Like there I mean I I remember reading about just the culture of of what families looked like back then. I mean the man had total and utter authority. Yeah. Like he if if a if a daughter was born that he didn't like, like he had authority to have that daughter killed. Mm. 
like murdered. And then um, it was it was almost normal for men to be rather unfaithful to their wives. Yeah. I mean, and they would they would it was cultural to sleep around and um, get with prostitutes and other women and things like that. And it wasn't like there wasn't this exclusive commitment to be faithful to one wife. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a reflection of of what is described here of true Christ-like love demonstrated by self-sacrifice for your wife. Yeah. Um. And this is, yeah, and I, I love that it goes and it gives instructions to both the husband and the wife. Yeah, me too. Because like, this is not saying, and and I think this has been used awfully um for yeah. men to um men have used it to have permission to abuse their wives which is total uh misinterpretation of the yeah. text and totally against um the heart of god and so this is like sub- submission has been abused unfortunately but what god is advocating for in his word is Submission to a husband who is Christ-like, who is faithful, who is willing to sacrifice for his wife, mm. um, who is first following the leadership and headship of Christ himself, and then leads his wife in that. And that's the kind of that's the kind of husband that's worth submitting to. Mm. And anything beyond that is is not faithful to this text or or to God. And so it's. What Paul writes here is is significant. Yeah, it is. It is. It is, it is counterculture. Yeah, it was, and 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 still is in some respects. But yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean that's that's an important example of why culture is important. And and I think I mean the the context, the cultural context is yeah. important. I think it also makes this this text more. See, like the significance of the text pop out more, you know, um, and not just this passage, but many other passages in Scripture. Um, so it's just like context also helps us understand the full weight of a text, the full weight and implications of of what is written. Um, the author writes about for the audience. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I understand. It's it's even frustrating for me to not come to a conclusion. Yeah. And I'm I'm still researching this and maybe we can even uh, get back to some conclusions we might come up with later on um, this semester. We'll see. But I think it's good to be thinking about these things because these are issues that we need to talk about in the church. And we need to to think well about these things. We need to think critically about these things. Um especially if we're in explicit leadership roles in the church. And yeah. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been good discussion. Um, hopefully it sparks some thought and, and curiosity and further research for all the audience. But enough said. This has been episode five of Bible Babble. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, Garrett. Today's theme song was From the Morning by Nick Drake.